Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. And I'm Will Washington. Welcome to another edition of Dad. But I'm not alone here. I've actually got a very familiar face over here on the fightful side. It's Miss Denise Salcedo, Hollywood's own. What's up? You know, this is my official debut on Fightful Overbooked. You know, I, I usually don't come this direction. You know, I'm usually where the big stars play over on the Fightful channel, Will. But you know what? I'm making an exception. And you want to know why? Because you are on my you're on my list. You are on my Hollywood Salcedo. I actually like this person list. So when you said, hey, Denise, you want to come on? I was like, I like Will. So, yes. <laughs> Well, good. Plus, this is, as Jeremy likes to call it, the, the flagship. Um, and... Jeremy's full of it. <laughs> he is, and I'm sure he'll do his swing through thing here shortly. But yeah, welcome to uh, another edition of Day After Dynamite. Sorry I had to take last week off. I was in Vegas, uh, and that show just wasn't going to happen. Um, but we're here now. We are here today. And no, I'm not going to go back and review last week's Dynamite. It's, that one's just gone. In the, I was gonna say, uh, is it even in your memory still? I don't even think it's in my memory bank I mean, anymore. I, like, unless you remind <laughs> me about it, like I can't, I can't tell you like anything because I will remember. I was there, so yes, but uh, as far as I don't think I, I still haven't watched it. Is the thing I still haven't gone home and like watched it back. I still only know it live, uh, so not really. I, I just never found the time. Uh, so I guess that's like. Of the hundred and some odd episodes of Dynamite that exist, that's the only one I've, 160 something I think it is, I have, it's the only one I've never seen um, because I was there and I didn't I go mean, back you and watch saw it. it. You just saw it with a different lens, your actual eyeballs in person. Yeah, well, what was funny too was uh, I bumped into um, Emilio during the show who was just like wandering the floor and he and so he and i get to talking and catching up and i this was during the hangman and uh and cm punk segment so literally i didn't even see that segment until like right before double or nothing where i pulled it up on youtube and i'm like i should probably see this promo before i sit down for double or nothing so how was it your happens. weekend by the way you it been... happens yeah, when you're at live show, like like live shows, you tend to miss certain stuff because someone will start talking to you, and then you'll be like, "Oh shoot, oh oh, oh man, I missed that," you know. So I get it. <laughs> How was your weekend though? You had uh, I saw you in Las Vegas, so. Um... I know you were there, but how was it? How and and then coming back to LA and then immediately getting to go to Dynamite. 
Dude, I started feeling like unwell on Sunday. Like Friday, I was like, woo, this is great. Saturday, I was like, woo. And then Sunday, I was like, oh my God, I feel like death. And then on Monday, when I woke up, I felt like death. I, I, I was not feeling good. And then right now, when you mentioned you weren't feeling good either, I was like, bro, what the hell happened in Vegas? Because Monday, I started feeling really bad and I had to miss my Raw Post show. And I literally ended up sleeping like 20 hours because I just had no energy. Will, I turned green. I was green. You looked at me and I looked like a green little human walking around. Um, I was like out of it, completely out of it on Monday. You almost would have missed Dynamite last night. Yeah. Like, thankfully, like I slept Monday. I woke up on Tuesday and I was like, woo, I'm back. <laughs> Thank God, because I just don't have the energy to. No, I can't afford to not be like running at like a full 100%. I know you of all people having downtime just doesn't even make sense. I didn't do my double or nothing post show. That's how bad it was. But Damn. you know what? It all came together in the end. It did. It's all is Hey, good. and uh, speaking of things coming together, we want your super chats. Uh, make sure you send those our way. We got one from Van Twinblade. He says uh, they turned a shoot into a work shooty shoot work. Uh, so <laughs> there's going to be a lot to talk about there. There's still just news. Uh, coming out today uh, and more and more. I've tried to talk to as many people as I can. And let me tell you, nobody knows anything. And it's kind of great. And uh, it's like you talk to one person and they'll be like, oh, this is, it's it's been a work since day one. And then you talk to others and they're like, no, I think it became one. Uh, and then there's others who are like, I still don't quite think it is. And I thought, you know what? This is wrestling at its best, isn't it? Because the fact that we're just all wondering, including people in pro wrestling wondering, I I can't ask for more than that. But we're going to talk about this show. So uh, this was the first time. Oh, and Van Twinblade followed up with, also, thank you, Tony, for giving St. Louis a hair versus hair match. Not going to make up for full gear last year, but it's a start. I thought St. Louis was going to be who got blood and guts because Tony had said that uh, after taking uh, full gear away from St. Louis and said, I'll make it up to you guys, and he said he was going to do blood and guts this summer, my thought was, oh, blood and guts, I guess that would make sense doing it in St. Louis, but... Uh, the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan is one of the biggest arenas that Dynamite will have run. It's the first time I can see why they picked Detroit for that one. But anyway, so speaking of arenas, first time, LA Forum. Uh, this was quite a building um, in that I tweeted last night, I felt like the show had quite an old school look. Um and what I meant by that was arenas today typically have a lot of like LEDs like all throughout the, the crowd. Uh, and then, of course, there's usually like a giant Tron up top, right? Not at the forum. The forum literally was just a sea of people. And it took me back a little bit because like looking at it, I thought this reminds me of what wrestling used to look like. Like, of course, there's still big LED stage. But as far as the arena was concerned there weren't any of the amenities that you typically get at uh, most modern arenas. It looked very old school, and I like that. 
So I will tell you this, like, I love the forum. I go to a lot of events at the forum and I know that right across the street is SoFi, but still a lot of people can't afford to go be running shows at, at SoFi. So you still get a lot of shows at the forum. And I feel like I go more, I go to more shows at the forum than I do the Staples Center. Like, I feel like the Staples Center, I haven't, I haven't had to go to the Staples Center in years. Well, it's not even the Staples Center anymore. It's crypto. a crypto arena or whatever the hell they're the calling crypt. it now hate it. I hate it. Anyways, <laughs> but the point is that, uh, yeah, it is more, I guess you can say old fashioned. It doesn't have like any, like you said, of the LED boards or anything like that. But I love the forum and I'll tell you why, because no matter where you sit, it is a really, really good view. It's only two levels. You got, you know, you got your floor seats. And then after that, it's just the next section that, you know, builds up as you go, as you go. So it's two levels and you, I've literally sat at the last and final row at the forum and it's always a good look uh the stage was a lot smaller they just had it almost looked like a little mini miniature version of what you know we are used to seeing for dynamite and whatnot so i did like that i mean it was very simple they had to do it that way from the looks of it to you know make sure that uh i'm assuming like in terms of like dimensions for the stage and all of that to get people to fit in etc but uh john moxley at the end mentioned that there were fifteen thousand strong people in there so i was like wow, that's, that's a lot pretty of freaking awesome that's a lot of people there um so it was pretty cool to get to experience that yeah that and uh okay i have a question now i'm pretty sure i know the answer favorite artist you've seen at the forum uh bill no well i saw taylor swift there but it wasn't an actual concert she was just there performing a couple of songs but in terms of an entire concert billy eilish okay I've had a feeling Taylor was going to be the answer, but if it wasn't a full concert, then it wasn't doesn't... a full concert. She did like five songs. It was one of those like iHeartRadio things. Oh, I, that still counts, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, okay, fine. Um, so, speaking of which, uh, so of course, show kicked off with uh, CM Punk. We knew we were going to get CM Punk to start us off because he's the new AEW World Champion. And this was our introduction to him as champ. Uh, and we got to see that. And he tagged with FTR. Uh, of course, uh, there's a little piece of me that still feels there's no real explanation as to why FTR is suddenly like siding against MJ or siding with MJF's like biggest enemy. Like the pinnacle is just like gone. Whatever. I'm not going to like harp on that, I suppose. Because I like know they're real life friends, but at the same time, I'm just like a little annoyed by that. It's more so of like, oh, I feel like we've just accepted it because I didn't, you know, there, like you said, there wasn't any official like this is why this is happening. I took it more as so if you're somebody that maybe doesn't know that they're friends, I can see why you would you'd probably be like, oh, like, did I miss something? But if you know this and you're just kind of just taking it for what it is. Right. And that's how I feel about it. I'm like, OK, I know these guys are friends, but I would have appreciated like a little official break away from MJF and we never got that from uh FTR. So, that's annoying. But other than that, um I mean, look, FTR's got like a favorite theme in wrestling, so uh if you've ever seen if you've ever seen me at a show when that song hits, I like that's one of those things I get down to. That song is a bop. Um and so I will never argue with seeing more FTR. They tagged with Max Caster and uh, the Ass Boys. Max Caster, of course, dropped the Amber Heard line, which uh, was divisive, but uh, got a big pop in the building. 
It was, what did he say exactly? Because I heard it as, it, I heard it a little bit mumbled. I heard like, oh, uh, he's going to make them pay more than Amber Heard. Was that yeah, the he, line? Yeah, he said, I'm going to make you pay like Amber Heard. And like, that was, okay. it, it was it was probably one of the most tame lines he could have dropped as far it's as It's not that bad. I didn't pop for it that much. I mean, like, aside from the fact that it was like the day of that we got the, mm. uh, you know, the verdict and all, and just the mention of Amber Heard's name. But I do think that it could have been a, a more of a drastic line. But I can see where he might want to not want to go that direction after what happened with the Simone Biles comment. So I get why maybe he didn't go all the way with because there was more I think that he could have said that could have been like, oh, snap about Amber Heard. Yeah. And that was the thing was like uh, for people who were upset about it. My thought on that line was in he dropped like the main factual thing here that she has to pay like there's no he didn't really take a side here. Like he he straight up just gave like the most factual statement that he could drop in a rap about it. And I'm sorry, but Amber Heard has literally been getting like the worst comments anywhere. No matter what Max Caster could have said, it wasn't going to be worse than what you're seeing like on social media. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I also. Mine was the 405 line when he said, when he said, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't directing it at Punk when he said, yeah. oh, you look like you live under the 405. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was good. That was for the locals right there. Yeah, I, th- I thought overall, um, you know, it was typical Max Caster stuff, but uh, I had fun with it. So uh, then we had, so the match kicks off uh, and I don't know, it was, Fairly standard affair. I actually think that FTR. Oh, by the way, the, uh, really quick, the the ass boys also did the uh, the bit where they keep getting the city wrong until they hand the mic to uh, Anthony Bowens and Anthony Bowens gets it right, and then everybody pops. Which I think will be really effective when Anthony Bowens is good to go at breaking this group up and turning the acclaimed babyface because I think that's ultimately where people want to see them and people do want to cheer them. But for now. What I was going to say is that I think the Gun Club and FTR work really well together. They had that match uh, a little over a month ago, uh, and that was the one that kind of started the face turn of FTR. Um, And people were very surprised at how well FTR worked with the Gun Club, and I thought that was the case here. I actually think that when those guys tangle up, it's... uh, It delivers, and I thought they did here. Um, CM Punk definitely had another slippage here and uh i think coming straight after the uh the buckshot lariat one at uh double or nothing you can tell he's feeling really self-conscious about it he's bringing it up like it's one of those things where i think anywhere else or anyone else would probably just let that go but he's he uh, both times, uh, for those of you who weren't at Double or Nothing and didn't see anything that happened after the show, uh, after he beats Hangman Adam Page, he grabs the mic and he goes, remind me never to attempt a buckshot lariat again. And uh, and then in this case, same deal. After the match, he actually did grab the mic and, and same deal. He was like, you know, that's being champions about getting better and I will get better and I'm going to get better. And he seems to be really conscious of these slippages. 
Yeah, I was laughing, like dying laughing at Double or Nothing when he said, FTR, you guys need to tell me never to attempt the buckshot lariat ever again. And I thought, I didn't think he was going to acknowledge that. Like who, like, let's be honest, not very many people when they have like a botch or something, they don't really like acknowledge it. So for to have him kind of acknowledge it was really funny. But then having him slip again, uh, on on dynamite i felt bad because when he okay so when he and when punk came out and i said this on my show last night i you know i've seen cm punk now get these receptions from the chicago audience from the las vegas audience minneapolis uh you know now los angeles and i will tell you that after chicago because nobody tops chicago at cm punk and you know that those reactions um i feel like los angeles was right up there like right below chicago in terms of how they reacted to cm punk where it was like they finally had this moment where it was like, oh my God, he's here, etc. He got such a loud reaction. And so the crowd was so into it. And then he has the slip and you can hear everybody in the crowd do the exact same, you know, thing. And everybody kind of had the, ah, dude, you fucked up. And you're like yeah. kind of feeling bad for him. And I felt bad because the energy shifted in the room during that. It wasn't one of those things where like you get a botch and maybe only a couple people in the audience notice it. No, this was everybody in the live audience. This was everybody watching back home. So it was a very unfortunate um, moment. But uh, I feel like this match, like if you were just to say, if this match would have been like in any other town, I almost feel like it wouldn't have been uh, it, to me. It was a generic match. Like it was fine. It wasn't anything super explosive, but I feel like the crowd made it so much more than what it was because even during the downtimes, like people were like, all right, like let's chant for the ass boys. There were so many consistent ass boys chants throughout <laughs> this match that it kind of made it so much more, uh, you know, glorious, I guess. And so I feel like the crowd kind of made, I think the crowd elevated this match for sure. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought, I, as a matter of fact, I am surprised at, I guess I shouldn't be, but I'm really surprised at how over the ass boy shtick has gotten. Uh, and in the whole, like, uh, acting like we hate it and the crowd wanted to really throw it at him. I think that stuff is great. Um, and yeah, I, you could feel that through the TV, the, the energy shift as well. When, uh, and I felt that a double or nothing too. I felt like, like, uh, especially because there was uh, the Hangman fans in the room were already looking for anything with CM Punk, and you could just feel this like universal chorus of boos when he uh, when he slipped on the uh, buckshot lariat. Um, we got a couple of super chats. Uh, James says Punk has never really been very athletic, but it's gotten worse lately. Despite this, he still works really well. It's kind of impressive, actually. Like that's the thing I, I was talking about on Twitter. Um, that I noticed some people don't seem aware of who CM Punk is or what he brought to the table. But one of the things about CM Punk that I think newer fans are struggling to get adjusted to is that CM Punk never had the cleanest looking offense at all. Um, that I, CM Punk, and he has uh, touted this as one of, he touts it as a feature, not a bug, uh, where he has said that his he prefers his style to look like he's in an actual fight and sometimes moves don't look the same every time and sometimes they're not super clean but as long as it connects and hits that's what it's about and so that's who cm punk has always been i i remember i noticed like 2004 that i'm like oh this guy's like not super clean but he tells a great story and that's who cm punk is and i think newer fans are just kind of struggling to see that that 
Uh, it's really about punk psychology in the ring more than anything else, more than clean offense. Um, but yeah, he's never been a super athletic dude. That's just not who CM Punk is. Uh, and Van Twinblade said, Punk should call uh, style and yell about the ropes. Uh, we, let's see. I'll save this other super chat for the next segment for a reason. Uh, but overall, this one gets a B from me. I thought that I enjoyed the match. I had fun with it. It was a great way to introduce CM Punk as AEW world champion. And what's next for him? We actually found out immediately because uh, he gets on the mic and they decide to call out uh, both FTR and CM Punk. I thought, uh, by the way, Dax Harwood, he always tugs at the heartstrings when talking about family, which as family dude, dad for a reason um that resonates with me uh and that always gets me every single time but cm punk calls out his opponent who is it going to be everybody thought it was going to be okada versus cm punk because they thought that was the match that made the most sense but i can see where tony khan in trying to put this show together with ghetto would go well, I don't want my champion to lose. Well, I don't want my champion to lose. So let's not put our champions against each other. Let's set our guys up in situations where they can have the best match possible and we can still keep both our companies elevated. And so we actually had the AEW debut. Denise, oh. I'll say that. There it was. I was waiting for that. Thank you. I was like, wait, this doesn't look like Tanahashi. I thought you were going to put up like a graphic of him or something. And no, then all I of a was... sudden, Jeremy Lambert pops up. <laughs> What's up, Jeremy? Hi. You, you cheated on me today. As I we, did we cheat on you. Previously, I, but... I was like, sorry, Jeremy. I can't, I can't, I can't do a show with you. I'm doing a show with Will. You didn't even tell me you were doing a show with Will. You're just like, can't do it. Can't do a show. I'm very busy. I am I'm very Salcedo. busy. I'm I so am busy. very busy. As soon as I'm done with the show, I'm going to continue my duties that I'm behind on. You guys know how it is. Going to the live events really backs you up with like the general work of the week. I am beyond, beyond busy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have to go to Double or Nothing and go to Dynamite, and I'm going to go to Rampage tomorrow. I'm Denise Alcedo. I have so much to do. I'm so busy. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> well, hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, I, friends in the chat. Now, Denise and I, we're never going to fight. We're, we're BFF. We always have beef. Friends. Jeremy and I, yeah, we always true. have beef. True. That's actually yeah. true. Uh, well, I'm I'm well, making my usual run in to say hi. Hi, Will. Graham says Okada versus Lambs win. Oh, Lambs will be back soon. Lambs will be back soon with all the scoops, all the scoops. Will, we're yeah. we're three games away from me visiting you. Uh, yeah, apparently so. I yes. am. Uh, so what? They play tonight, right? Yeah, games tonight. Yes. Okay. Cool. See, Denise, I I am. How do, Denise, how do you feel about hockey? I don't care about hockey. I don't wow. watch hockey. I'm sorry. What do you want to talk about, Will? <laughs> no, I can't do that. I can. <laughs> hey, 
hey, I'm the draw here. Good day. I could leave. I got a busy schedule. <laughs> I've been to one off. hockey game. One hockey game. You want to know what my favorite part was? When they the all end. fought. After oh, that, I didn't care anymore. And that's and why she goes to wrestling cold. shows. It was too cold. And everybody brought blankets except me to that game. So I was freezing. I wanted to go home. You definitely went in L.A. They bring blankets to L.A. games. Yeah, there was people yeah. with blank. Actually, this was Ontario. It was Ontario. No, bunch of bunch of wusses bringing blankets to a hockey. Point game. is, I needed a blanket and I didn't have one, Jeremy. Well, if we ever go to a hockey game, I'll make sure blankets are supplied for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate I'm it. I'm Denise Salcedo. I got to have a blanket on a hockey game. <laughs> so and delicate. Cocoa, please. So, and and <laughs> now I'm Jeremy Lambert, and when I'm on Day After Dynamite, I have to have a bar through my face. Well, not anymore because he's gone. So, <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, it's you're like one step below me because I am only watching hockey like right now because... Uh... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The avalanche are in the finals. So at this point, Western uh, Conference finals, at least get Western it right, Conference. Will. Um, yes, see, three wins. We're not right. going to get it. It's not going to happen. We're definitely going to lose four straight. But three wins, me and Will Washington, <laughs> we're taking over Colorado. Bye, Denise. Bye. Big, big Swifty kisses to you, Denise. Bye. I will. <laughs> All right. And there is your weekly jeremy lambert pop in i love it um, so you let jeremy come in here and get like a minute of your show yeah uh i won't say let but it just happens so. <laughs> oh, oh okay <laughs> it seems to me like you need to have a talk with the boss <laughs> if this was my show jeremy would not be making no run-ins ain't nobody making no run-ins <laughs> i i allow it it's the jeremy minute of the week so anyway, it was actually Hiroshi Tanahashi, by the way. Uh, Not and, Jeremy Lambert. <laughs> correct. Uh, so yeah, Tanahashi versus CM Punk was not the match I was expecting, especially considering how much John Moxley's been after that match. And that's the match we all thought we were going to see. So here we are. What it's do you think? It's interesting, though, I will, because I... I... I know they alluded to Tanahashi CM Punk, but part of me wonders if this is going to be made into a six-man. Like, what if it's not a singles match? They haven't actually said anything. Like, this was alluded to, but there wasn't anything like of this confirmation. And the only reason why I say that is because you're going to have to have CM Punk win. He's the champion, but you just don't have Tanahashi lose. Like, you just don't do that very often. So for me, it's like, I'm interested in, like, I'm curious if this is actually going to be a one-on-one -on -one match or if this is going to turn into a six-man or something. I, 
I mean, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of time is the thing because we I only know. have like three dynamites left and then we're here. So whatever we're doing, we have to like start setting have up they now. Put out a have they put out a graphic? Have they said this is the official? Because they just had him. He was just like, oh, the forbidden door, whoever you have for me, come out. And then lo and behold, Tanahashi comes out. But it's like. Where, where's our where's our little title graphic huh where's our graphic i haven't seen no graph watch it's gonna come out right now as soon as, uh, or, or as, soon as i said it <laughs> or they'll drop it on rampage or something yeah but, uh and so now of course the the other rumor coming out uh, according to dave is that it's going to be uh hangman adam page versus okada um which also totally makes I thought sense. it was gonna be brian danielson that was where i was headed towards <laughs> Uh, well, apparently the the thought is, if uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I think the thought that Ghetto and Khan are having is for the AEW World Title, it's our top guy, which is now CM Punk, versus our I guess second from the top guy, which would be Tanahashi, right? And then it's like on the other side of things for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, our top guy Okada. Versus our second from the top guy, guy who just lost the world title, Hangman Adam Page. And so I think that's kind of where they're going with it. Um, but either way, that's what Dave says is on the, the, on the sheet he's seen. Uh, like, don't I, get me wrong. That's going to be exciting to see. Like, that's legitimately excited. But I, I think, or maybe I'm just being selfish here, but I think Brian Danielson Okada sh should have been the match. I think at, for somebody like Okada, my guess is that uh, just with the idea of Brian still being a newer AEW guy, that I don't the, see the, it that way though. I, nah, I know, nah. but, but I think no, it's like we need to go with a, a straight up like AEW guy who is somebody who is AEW through and through, and that is Hangman Adam Page. I see it more as like this is a possibility to make these dream matches that people never thought were going to be possible. So why wouldn't you do it like that? Like, I get what you're saying. I understand the thought process behind that. But it's like, damn, it's not every day that we get the opportunity of possibly seeing one of the greatest pro wrestlers against one of the other greatest pro wrestlers. You know, yes. like it's not every day we get to have that, you know, on the option of our buffet table. True. I don't know. I, I mean, I would take either. I I will say that uh, as somebody... I think somebody, either too, but it's like, it, come on. There's always going to be something you want to see the, more. As somebody eating at the buffet, I am definitely not complaining about uh, what I'm getting from it. <laughs> uh, considering I will be at uh, at Forbidden Door, and I'm so excited. This is gonna I'm be seeing you there. We're going to be roommates, Will. We're going to be roommates. That's right. We're sharing an Airbnb. Yes. Uh, so this will be fun. Hey, Chris Reigns sent in a super chat, says, I hope we get Punk and FTR as a consistent trio. I also think Ace versus Best in the World is a great choice. I agree. I do think that's a fun one. Yeah, I think there's, I don't know, there's a lot we can see. Uh, Orion, by the way, says, uh, this is why I think Mox will run in and get Tanahashi. So know, are we not I, all convinced that it's going to happen, Tanahashi and CM Punk? I don't know. Like the weird, thing of, the weird thing about what Moxley's doing is that the Wednesday after Forbidden Door is blood and guts. So like Moxley is like tied up with what he's doing. And it would almost be 
kind of storyline wise difficult to like pull him away and go well actually you're gonna have to have this program you have going on here while also focusing on uh the blood and guts match that you have coming up three days later so unless you make that the story which there's three weeks left we could who knows what we're gonna see but you know what we did see segment that had everybody talking uh and you could tell how much the LA crowd was anticipating this because the graphic came up on the screen that just said up next and that arena i the the amount of boos for a graphic were so loud <laughs> and like he wasn't even out there yet his music had hit nothing it was just up next mjf speaks and that's all we got there was nothing when aw posted that graphic on uh on their twitter which I thought was brilliant, by the way. They posted it with zero caption. It was literally just the MJF thing. They didn't tag him. They didn't say what he could possibly say. It was just the graphic, and that felt so ominous. Like, what are we about to see here? And MJF's music hits. What was that atmosphere like? Okay, so that was kind of insane because... I feel like the fans, they were they were thinking, okay, it's MJF. We're going to boo the hell out of him. And then, but as, here's the thing, every single portion, as it progressed, it was like, he would say one thing and it was massive boos. Then he would say another thing. And then all of a sudden, the whole crowd had turned and they were cheering for MGF like he was a god. And then he would say something else and it was back to booze. Then he would say something else back to cheers. It was back and forth to the point where it was not so much what we were reacting to MJF, but what he was, what we were reacting to in terms of every sentence that he was saying. And I would say, and I kind of described this last night on my show as it, it almost felt like it had the adrenaline and the intensity and the excitement as like a rock show. When you go out there and you see your favorite artist and you're like, woo, but then it had the drama. And what else has drama? Like political stuff. If you're hearing two sides and you're like reacting to what's what it's what is being said, that is exactly what the MJF thing felt like. And I will tell you that it, it was just so loud in there and people were so like I I feel and I'm just going to say this. It was one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed live in person. And I was trying to think of like other things. And, you know, I've been going to wrestling events now for, you know, years and years. And I can't remember something this crazy that I attended live in terms of how the crowd was just like WTF is freaking going on. And especially those last final moments where MJF starts like yelling into the camera, calling Tony a Mark and this and that, and just kind of going off. Fucking. Yes. I was, I was trying to not uh, curse on this podcast, but yes, an effing Mark. And he said it, I believe multiple times um, from what I, from, from my memory and like, it was wild. And then even afterwards, uh, you know, I'll talk about what happened off the air afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, so I had really just two qualms with this. Uh, and my first one being that I thought that this <laughs> somewhat undermined Wardlow. I thought that. Oh, it totally were, did. That I thought if I were structuring this show, even, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. But if I were structuring this show, I would have put Wardlow on before this, just because I feel like 
a lot of that crowd didn't really know how to react to Wardlow at this point because a lot of the adulation and cheer for Wardlow is surrounded by getting away from Maxwell and, and finally beating MJF. But if you put MJF in this situation where a lot of that crowd was behind him and behind what he had to say, all of a sudden now Wardlow doesn't necessarily feel like the conquering hero anymore. And so I think a little bit of the difference might have just been swapping those segments and maybe putting this on a little bit later. Um, that's the only thing I would have done like truly differently here. Uh, and then also maybe wait a week just because... You took 10 power bombs and got carted off on a stretcher. So, like, there wasn't exactly... Like, he mentioned it in the beginning. I'm in a lot of pain. But then, like, that's the most of a sell we got beyond... Now, granted, it's been four days. So, like, you can also say that... Look, no, unless he's, like, fucking dead. Um, you know, four days wasn't is, is enough to recover from taking all those power bombs. Sure. Either way, I just thought I would have sold it a little bit more because you did the stretcher spot. Um... Beyond that, content-wise, this was something that's going to be remembered for a really long time. Uh, see, so you know, we talked about the pipe bomb. That's uh, one of the most famous work shoot type promos. Um, of course, we have Bret Hart in '97 uh, on Vince McMahon on Monday Night Raw. You know, we've seen this type of stuff before, and in this particular case, uh, this did a great job of blurring a lot of lines. I think for a long time, as I mentioned at the top of the show, people were convinced that, see, you know, you can't trust MJF. MJF is always working. But then, like, there's a lot of people who have talked to MJF who have said, no, I don't think he is. And then uh, there have been people watching around the locker room going, I don't think he is. And then hearing this promo... Of course, nobody's an idiot here. This is a show that's on national television that uh, has segments and rundowns planned and also had TBS executives in the building and had a party being thrown for them. You absolutely know there was nothing unplanned about this. So then there's that factor of how long has this been a work. But regardless, the contents were so pointed and... Um, he basically took AEW hate Twitter and put it all in, like, just almost just took notes, just like of all the things that haters say, right? You know, Tony Khan, he's a money mark um, who belongs on the other side of the gate, not uh, booking the show, um, talked about the money, talked about um, untrained wrestlers, talked about uh, ratings, talked about, uh, being the minute for minute draw, which he said before. Um, and now he says the second minute for minute draw because it's not true anymore that he's the biggest. Uh, but regardless, he said a lot of things in this segment that you hear all throughout social media, all throughout Twitter especially. And it made it feel very raw and very real. In a vacuum, this is one of the best segments AEW's ever done. Ever. Uh, it... You know, CM, or one of the, why do I keep saying CM Punk? One of the things that MJF said was that he's one of the only wrestlers who makes you feel. And shit, as far as this was concerned, he was right. Because uh, I did feel with this. Now, I say in a vacuum because I look at these things in a vacuum, right? The pipe bomb. 
in a vacuum, one of the greatest promos of all time. Outside of it, that was just CM Punk basically pointing out a whole bunch of systemic shit about WWE that never got fixed. So, like, that wasn't exactly uh, long-term any good other than making people acknowledge stuff about the company that is problematic that, again, still exists. So, as far as this is concerned, I don't know what the long-term implications of this are, but on its own, I thought it was excellent. So excellent, in fact, that folks, you asked me, and it's happening. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it gets the day after Dynamite S. This is an S-tier segment. I said that it's hard to get it, but... How can I not? How could I not give this the S tier? Woo! I feel like I need to start like blowing out like confetti or something for the S. Like woo! Like com- <laughs> we need confetti on here. I know. I need like a. I need a sound a, to go yeah, with. Yeah, a the, sound effect like the a. S. Thr- 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 <laughs> yes. Something, anything, because uh, I felt like yeah, uh, that's freaking awesome. But no, I'm. I think that it's well deserved. But I think okay. So I do want to talk about some of the things that I particularly like. Uh, you know, we talk about why this was very good. My favorite part of this was MJF hitting a, a lot of valid points where he said, you know, if I was an ex WWE star, would I be treated better? And it's no, you know, it's not a secret that there, you know, if you're an ex WWE star, your paycheck probably looks a lot better and that's no secret. And when he comes out here and he's talking about how, you know, there's other people that can come out and they can be good and they could be all right. No, he has a different, uh, he's on a different pedestal where he has to come out and be great each and every single time. And, And that's definitely true. And when you think like overall as a whole, when you think of maybe like the top three, top five guys in AEW that you look forward to seeing, who are those guys? You think CM Punk, you think uh, MJF, you think Kenny Omega, uh, you think Brian Danielson, you you can add John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, whatever, right? But those are the guys that you think of. And so like, why shouldn't MJF be on that you know, totem pole when it comes to the money, right? And so when he's talking about this, you can't help but to be like, hell yeah, dude, you know what? I agree with you. And that's why he was able to get the fans cheering for him when he talked about this. Um, So I did love the fact that he brought that up and that that was part of all of this. And, uh, you know, he said a bunch more other stuff, you know, bearing the fans, bearing their opinion about all of this and that. But here's my question to you, Will. And this is something that I think needs to be discussed is what's the end game in all of this? What is the end game? Are we going to have Tony Khan come out and be an on-screen character? What's going to happen? What's the end game? Because right now, even though this was great and dandy and all of that, it's still like, who's who's coming out winning here? Who Who's winning in this right now? Can I put on a fantasy booker hat for a second? Sure, go right ahead. Okay. Do I have fantasy book anyway? it away. Okay. So one of the things that AEW likes to do is homages to the past, right? And so one of the things that this is already drawing parallels to, as I just said, is the pipe bomb. What did the pipe bomb lead to? John Cena versus CM Punk for the WWE Championship. But CM Punk, of course, his contract was near ending. And so how can you have him win the WWE Championship and leave? That can't happen. But then he won the WWE Championship and left. And then, of course, the follow-up all sucked. But... Uh, At least at that point, that was fascinating. 
what if we get a similar scenario, except CM Punk's in the driver's seat now. CM Punk is the Cena here, and MJF is in the situation of, I could beat CM Punk for the title and leave because I am done here. And we we get back to that feud. And we do get a situation of MJF winning the title. What's he going to do with it now that he is possibly going to be a free agent? Like, that's how I'd play with this over the next couple of months. Of uh, Now, of course, you have to have CM, or MJF like earn uh, a championship match. But then again, that's how I would do that. Is that um, wins and losses matter, right? So then Tony Khan doesn't necessarily have to be an on-screen character, but we do know that in the realm of AEW, the matches are made by Tony Khan. It always says Tony Khan has announced this, Tony Khan has announced that. So then Tony Khan, look, fuck MJF. I'm going to start booking him in matches that uh, that aren't in his favor. And But MJF keeps coming out on top and keeps winning them until eventually, all of a sudden, look at his one-loss record. He's earned an AEW championship match against CM Punk, but he also wants to leave, so he can't win the title. Like I would almost pay it homage to that, but pay it off in a way where, again, CM Punk now represents the John Cena portion of it. He's the company guy. He's the guy who goes around... And he does. He's the one talking up AEW everywhere you look. As a matter of fact, you're about to talk about what happened after the promo, which did also involve CM Punk. Uh, I think he has to be the end game with all of this. So immediately after like the screens went black and it was very clear that uh, they had gone to commercial break immediately after that, you still had like MJF in the ring and he's still, you know, fired up, et cetera. And he's kind of like leaving, leaning over the ropes. And it almost seems like this was my assumption. My assumption was, oh, they're going to he's going to stay there throughout the commercial break and they're going to continue this when uh, we come back from commercial break. I thought it was going to be one of those like you got to get me out of here. Uh, I'm not going to leave on my own accord type of thing. But during the commercial break, uh, they had uh, so CM Punk starts limping out. He's not even walking out. He's limping out. Uh, he's limping out, you know, very, very slowly walking out there and uh, no microphone, no nothing, just like very like uh, like. You know, trying to make it seem like, you know what, I'm going to try to talk to some sense into this kid. Like, that was the vibe that we got with CM Punk coming out. Like, you know what, I'm going to talk to him and have him calm down, that sort of thing. So before he could even get close, uh, MJF just got out of the ring. He didn't run out of the ring or anything like that. He just got out. He went through the barricade and he ended up exiting out through the crowd and just left. That was it. And so by that time he was gone, CM Punk was kind of like already kind of towards the barricade area where MJF had exited through. And he was just like, all right, like whatever. And just walked by. So it was done very, very like nonchalant for the live audience. I like it so far uh, on its own. Again, I have concerns about the long-term implications, and it sounds like you do too. Yes, uh, it's but, like, what's the end game? We don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. So I think at the same long time, term... I don't need to know the end game as long as there is an end game. I hope that Tony's thought of an end game. I hope this isn't. This doesn't end with Kevin Nash facing Triple H. Like this, uh, this needs to have an actual end game, and I hope it does. Because there's two things like, and this has been said before, like you don't want to work the guys back in the back, you know, you don't want to work them. And also like, you don't want to lose the trust of the fans when the fans, you know, went, especially the ones that were like at the meet and greet and all of that. I feel like those are two things that it's like, it doesn't make things look good. Right. And, uh, 
yeah, I have concerns about the meet and greet stuff um, because I, I had a conversation, uh, I think, oh yeah, I was talking with uh, Andrew Zarian um, and we were talking about the uh, kind of the idea behind a, a work and a shoot and how um, the true key to a work is can it make money? Now, we're at a stage right now where this MJF stuff is going to make money. Ratings come out in 10 minutes. I have a feeling they're going to look pretty good. Um, and so this is the type of situation that could make money. Um, because, like, the idea behind Sasha and Naomi uh, not being a work is simple. You just have to take a step back and go, this isn't making any money. Not only that, they're costing themselves money. Um, even when Austin walked out, they found a way to make money off of that, right? You know, they... Uh, literally the very next week decided, well, since Austin's gone, Attitude Era's dead. We're here with ruthless aggression. And, like, they made money off of it. This is one of those situations where um, that's why I'm slightly confused at the work aspect of it. Because I'm like, this situation can make money. But you also cost yourself money with the uh, with the autograph signing stuff, with the meet and greet. So, therefore... There's a piece of me that is like, I don't know how much of that was involved in making this a work or if uh, that came after the fact. And I, I've talked, Sean and I had a conversation literally 10 minutes before the show um, where we're kind of <laughs> trying to figure out mentally, like, where do we stand on when this became a work? Obviously, it's a work now. The question is, how long has it been? Uh, because again, where's the money? I like my my if I just had to predict, I would say once he came back for double or nothing. Mm -hmm. But I do I do believe like everything else prior to that in terms of like, again, I just don't feel like you want to lose the trust of the people that went and paid those money, paid that money for the meet and greet like that to me. Like I I, I would hope that that was not a work because it would just look really bad. Right agreed um let's see so bridget says i feel bad but mjf is not for me i'm starting to think there is something wrong with me i mean look here's the thing i said it uh on grapsity this week that i felt like mjf in especially in the early parts of his run were very uh um they were very hokey i feel like he was very much a try hard and like a lot of the uh a lot of his stuff came off very edge lordy and this is really one of those moments where i felt like none of this did the, most of this felt like he didn't have to go terribly far to make his point and that's really what i want to see off of mjf going forward is like you don't have to uh make fun of the low hanging fruit the way that he's kind of gotten away with doing for a long time and and have some substance and have some depth uh so i can see that i can see that mjf isn't for a lot of people um and to be fair that's also what makes him work uh got another uh trying to keep up on these um van twinblade says will use your powers knowing tk to get team ambition on the st louis show um <laughs> joseph use Sir. your powers will <laughs> says don't forget that okada may not even be championed by forbidden door he still has to beat jay white at dominion uh, yeah phil lindsey is very much a believer that okada won't even be championed by uh forbidden door so there's that too uh i think he's gonna retain 
personally. We'll see. Uh, James says, I suspect there has to be an agreement in place for Tony to let MJF anywhere near a mic or him being willing to show up at all. Thoughts? I mean, here's the thing. When you perform on a live professional wrestling show, there are massive, massive, massive legal ramifications for not following the program of the show. Colossal. And like, <laughs> consider that if this were a situation where he's going off the script and this is a situation that's about pay, that would be criminally stupid. And like, there's a reason why at this point, everybody is kind of reconciled with the idea of, okay, this is a work. Uh, and what else we got? I think I missed one. Where is it? Come uh, on, Will, get it together, Will. I know, right? Trying to scroll through This is through the D.A.D. show. I know. The dad show. Uh, Dennis Dads says, are supposed to be on it, you know? <laughs> uh, Will's fantasy scenario of TK putting MJF through a series of tests also mirrors all of the same things MJF did in the past to many others. The labors, also, what is it, the five, Jericho, five labors of Jericho? Five labors of Jericho, yeah, the stuff he did to Cody, the stuff he just did to Wardlow. Um, yeah, uh, there's stuff we could do with that, so... Uh, there are options. Also, I did just get a DM from Drew. Uh, Drew, oh, I, I thought just... you were going to say somebody else. I was like, ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, I do have one from somebody, but uh, I'll tell you about that afterward. Um, oh, they also took down MJF's uh, AEW shop page. It's a 404 error page. But that could be... That could be a, a nod to what WWE I know. I, did I, with. I, a, I think that's exactly what. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. That is a nod to the Sasha. One hundred percent Naomi thing to Sasha. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent uh, is what that. If is. If this would have been done before, I would have been like, "Oh shit, what's going on here? What's, what's happening? What's <laughs> happening?" You know. But this feels like, yeah. Yeah, no, I think they're being really smart about this. Like, they didn't upload the promo to YouTube at all. And they're taking it down whenever somebody else does. Uh, as I figured. <laughs> I figured that was going to happen. So there's uh, there's little stuff happening here. They didn't post it to Twitter. He wasn't at the party either. FYI. I mean, obviously, right? Why would he, why would he be there? Yeah, no, that wouldn't have made any sense. So uh, I, I think they're definitely being really smart about how this is being presented now. And I, I mean, what do you do next? What takes it to the next level? He shows up at like Titan Towers and is like doing a promo. <laughs> I have zero clue. I like I'm intrigued, and that's why this got the S tier for me. Uh, because I am definitely intrigued by what happens next. And you know, he talked about WWE guys on the show, and sure enough, next segment is Johnny Elite. Oh, and I'm sure my picture just went muddy for a second uh but johnny elite makes his way out who is his opponent we had seen a tweet earlier in the day from cj perry that she was going to be at dynamite why would she be there because we got the motherfucking return of miro man yeah. that got me i popped i was so excited to see miro again uh and pick right back up where he left off too uh, the fact that he he brought up his neck and uh, and how God had forsaken him and taken his championship. That shit was six months ago, by the way. Like, honestly, 
if had they not brought that up, the attention span of wrestling fans is fairly low. You didn't have to, but I appreciated reminding us that he did lose his a uh, his TNT championship and he did have the weak neck and all of that. And so I was just so pleased with this promo. He made fairly short work of Johnny Elite. Yeah, this was okay. So this was the point of the show, though, that I was, you know, the MJF thing had just happened. So I feel like I wasn't paying attention as much to this one. Like I paid attention to Miro making his return. But the actual match, I was kind of like on Twitter trying to figure out like what the hell was happening. So this was unfortunately the match that uh, I was not able to fully pay attention to just because of outside factors going on but uh when i did see miro make his return i was like hell yeah but here's what i'm wondering though was he is he like officially back back or was he just making a return at the la show because he was because you know he's doing all the hollywood stuff and that type of thing so i'm like is he back back or was he just back for this show well here's the cool thing about miro you don't necessarily have to have him back back to have him back right because (laughs) one of the best things about miro wasn't just his matches but also uh those vignettes they that they had done uh and all of that stuff that they would run week to week you could honestly do a month of those and not have miro in the building and i think it'd be great so i think you can now reintroduce miro back into storylines at least without necessarily having him back so so we don't know if he's back back yet we'll see if we start to see him back to back to back yeah. I had to. I was trying to add. <laughs> I was going somewhere with that, Will. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so next we had, and by the way, that match, um, I mean, look, he beat the shit out of Johnny Elite. Uh, like, it's an A just for the return. Uh, so um, that's that's that. But we did have the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society minus Dan Garcia, who would be in the main event against John Moxley, as I pointed out, and then Tony Khan said I nailed it, was uh, the CM Punk return show, uh, the first dance, the main event of that show, was John Moxley versus uh, Daniel Garcia, and on CM Punk's first show as AEW champion, the main event is John Moxley versus Daniel Garcia, but a far more competitive match, as we'll talk about here shortly. That's it. Jericho Appreciation Society is here. Uh, they're basically there to just talk their shit. They are interrupted by... Oh, you had pointed out, by the way, because there are like multiple theme songs getting cut off throughout uh, Dude, this show. Dude, for real. It was Kingston, Jericho, Jericho. Yeah. And then there was one more. I can't remember the other one. There was yeah. another one that was cut off. I forgot which one. They were like, nah, nah, cut the music. Was it MJF? Uh, yeah, yeah, MJF. MJF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MJF was like, cut the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, Jericho, of course, cut the music when L.A. was getting the first chance to sing Judas and uh, he didn't let them. He was like, you don't deserve it. I was like, damn, bro, we're not listening to any music tonight. Rude. (laughs) Yeah, that was like the first thing. Um, Eddie Kingston's music hits and two seconds in, he's like, uh, uh, nah, 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 cut the music. Like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. No music uh, for the LA people. <laughs> but as soon as I saw Regal with Kingston, I'm like, he's going to say it. He's going to do the thing. He's going to do the thing. And he's going to do the thing. And he did the thing. Uh, and he challenged the Jericho Appreciation Society to blood and guts. 
And this was very straight to the point. I loved it. We got, you know, it was very quick. Hey, this is going to happen. Blood and guts. And then the Ortiz, Ortiz coming in and cutting off Jericho's hair. Very, very funny. It went to, you know, led to the hair versus hair match being made. But I love Jericho kind of going off afterwards and being like, my hair, you know how his voice gets. My hair, it's worth more than all of you, this and that. Uh, Jericho, like being like extra, like whiny about this was really funny. Yes, I agreed. Um, yeah, they did set up the hair versus hair match, but then also set up the blood and guts because they they made the hair versus hair match like contingent on blood and guts. But like, I guess what are they gonna like put the advantage on the line? I'm guessing in that match. I'm assuming, yeah. Um, that'd be cool because uh, I feel like that's really the only other thing they can do here to make that matter. Uh, besides also the hair and. Otherwise, I'm excited. I knew that's where this was going. We all knew this was headed toward blood and guts. Um, I was almost tempted in the media scrum to even ask about that. And I'm like, no, we all know. There's no point. Uh, like, everybody could see the writing on the wall that that's where this is heading. How'd you like Arcade Anarchy? Or, uh, no, wait. No, no I see. I made that mistake. In the arena. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. See, that was the exact mistake I made. And Tony Khan called me out for that. And I just I know. It and on. I don't blame you, though. It's too much of the Anarchy Arena, Arcade, right. all of this. Uh, How'd you like it, though, especially being there live? Well, so the funny thing was, uh, at the end of the show, I ended up sitting over by you um, for the main event. But my other seat was actually, like, right where Eddie Kingston came out. So that got so, like, on top of us to the point of where, so uh, my wife, Corey, was with me. And she got Matt Menard's blood all over her. Like she Shut had to, up. So she got, yeah, I took some pictures of like her foot. Like she's got like his blood, like all over her foot. And so oh, she goes into the bathroom. She's going to have to dirt. toss those away. That's <laughs> well, it. So she, she was in flip-flops. So at least. Uh, oh, okay. Was, at least they're not like pricey shoes or anything like that. Right, yeah. I mean, unless just, they're pricey flip-flops. Um, luckily it only hit her foot and not the flip-flop itself. Okay. But so she goes into the bathroom, right? To like go wash her foot off. And she comes out and. Eddie Kingston and I forgot who else are like brawling in front of the bathroom stall. <laughs> they were just following her. <laughs> and like, so she's like taking video and stuff. She had a blast with it, but uh, yeah. yeah, I was in the heart of a lot of it. Uh, I like people have been tagging me and stuff. They're like, Will, you're like right here in this match. And I saw a lot of that match play out directly in front of me. There was a lot, honestly, pay- playing out in front of me that there were no cameras around for like Santana Ortiz are just like caning the shit out of 2.0. And I'm like, who's filming this? Like, this <laughs> is just happening. They're just like beating the crap out of each other, I guess, just to sell for the crowd. But there's literally nobody who's got eyes on this at all. So I was gonna say, I don't even remember that. So I probably didn't <laughs> like I that's a match that I feel I need to rewatch on television because mm-hmm. when I was watching it, it was so hard to follow everything. And thankfully, like my view was more like it was elevated, so I could see like you know, one thing going on here, one thing going on there, one thing going on here. But it was one of those things where I was like, Well, where do I look? And then I would look up on the screen, and all of a sudden there's you know, Kingston out you know being dragged in the concession stands and it took me a while to even realize that they were doing something different on the screen so i missed a lot of like these big moments because i was looking around everywhere uh but regardless it was a lot of fun though especially when they had the music going and when they killed the music it was kind of like oh i can't believe how hot the crowd was for it like the moment it exploded in the crowd everybody is just screaming 
their heads off. It was so hot throughout that entire match. Everybody was so into it that this is awesome chance. Everybody was just so into what was happening there. It really did remind me a lot of um, the the War Games 92 match. And like, it was so chaotic, but as long as you can like follow what's happening, um, it's just a, an excellent amount of action. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. For uh, me, I felt like I was at a very, very violent rock concert because we got the yeah. music. No, 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 not a concert. No, no, a music video. Like a very <laughs> violent music video. Like we're in the music video and they're beating each other up. That's what it felt like. Like you're in a music video. Yeah, I, it, it was so crazy. Uh, and I did not know what to expect from that. And No, I but I love the way they formatted though, where they just had everybody spread out because everybody got a different experience. Like your experience was different from mine. And then, you know, then the person next to you, everybody had a different experience depending on where you were uh, in that arena. Yeah, agreed. A lot of fun. Hey, Joe Powlin says, I believe the hair versus hair match is actually booked after Blood and Guts. No, it's not. Uh, that was a misprint. Um, so they had accidentally put up July 15th, which isn't even a Wednesday, uh, when it should have been June 15th, which is a Wednesday. It's happening at the show in St. Louis in on June 15th and not the uh, not any time in July. So it is happening before. Uh, James says, I would pay good money to see Jericho lose a hair versus hair match and have his opponent cut his hair into a Hogan skullet. Uh, that would also be hilarious. Uh, you should give him a mohawk. Yes. I don't think, has Jericho had a mohawk? He's had like he's a mohawk-ish. Yeah, he's had so it. many different hairstyles throughout the years. The one I didn't like was the one where he had like the Dora haircut. <laughs> oh yeah, just... like 2004-ish. Yeah, yeah, that was that the only was... one I didn't like, but I liked all uh -huh. the other ones. Yeah. But Jericho long hair is the best for me. It's surprising how much. Like, honestly, I did have the thought during the Anarchy in the Arena match. I, like, looked and I was like, oh, it's kind of thin up there. And then sure enough, the following uh, Wednesday, they announce a hair versus hair match. Uh, Ed, who, I don't know. Uh, I think Jericho could lose that. but I think he should. Because I don't think it'll be, like, seeing Ortiz lose his hair, I don't think it'd get as over as if Jericho lost his hair. No. I, typically with hair versus hair matches, you want to see the heel lose so that the heel, because getting their head shaved is a big humiliating thing. You want the crowd laughing at them. Like, that's the purpose of hair versus hair. Uh, to have a baby face lose that. And the only time I can think of, and uh, I think the chat will obviously correct me, like off the top of my head, also involved Chris Jericho, but it was Jericho versus Kevin Nash, where Kevin Nash had to cut his hair for Punisher. And so uh, Kevin Nash lost that match. And then, like, it never even really gets, like, fully shaved. It's just, like, I hate oh, that, too, when they just do, like, the little bit. Like, nah, give me the yeah. whole thing, man. He, like, ended up just getting a buzz cut, and we're like, oh, this is the look he has in that movie. Uh, so... Um, after that, we then got the much-hyped 10-man tag that was originally supposed to be the Hardys, Darby, and Jurassic Express. And, or sorry, no Darby. It was supposed to be the Hardys, Jurassic Express, and Christian versus the Undisputed Elite. Uh, but Jeff Hardy hurt and Adam Cole apparently hurt. So then that saw Hikaleo take Adam Cole's place, which is still kind of weird that, like, I guess that's the story they're going for, that Adam Cole, as far as he's concerned, is still down with the Bullet Club. The Young Bucks, like, aren't really sure, even though they are two of the most prolific Bullet Club members. And then on the other side, you kind of need a Darby here anyway, so he actually did make a lot of sense. And as I pointed out on Twitter, this was the first time in Darby's entire career 
that he has been in the ring with the Young Bucks uh, ever. He, uh, I, really? I went through and I thought somehow, some way, Darby Allen has managed to stay on the complete opposite side of the world for the last three years from the Young Bucks. He, he had mostly been like involved with Cody and stuff, but he had never had any involvement in any way, shape, or form with the Young Bucks. Hadn't tagged with them, hadn't been against them. This was the first time in three years of AEW Darby Allen had been in a ring with Matt and Nick. Oh, wow. I guess you would just assume that at some point they did. I'd never realized that. I was even looking up uh indie stuff and i was like there's got to be at least one time because like you know darby's faced red dragon plenty nope not one time had he been in the ring with the young bucks i love that that's a really great fun fact will (laughs) yes (laughs) thank you uh this was a fun match too this was kind of what you expect from these guys a wild 10-man tag match where they do all the crazy stuff and they get the crowd going uh that's what this was here and that's exactly it? what it was should have been because here's the thing like after the MJF thing it did kind of feel like you know all the excitement kind of left the room for a minute I mean granted they kept things going with like Miro returning and that but it did kind of feel like the biggest part of the show had already passed you by like that was right. nothing was going to get better than that right um, but when this match came on and they started doing you know all of their spots you had Matt you know smashing everybody's face and doing the delete and all of that uh, you know this the young bucks doing all their super kicks and and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus doing their like spots together uh, this was so much fun and I re the crowd really got into it oh and then like the, like the Hardys like keep in mind like when's the last time you saw the Hardy boys team up in Los Angeles like I don't even know the last time that happened you know so there was a lot of people I think that were kind of brought back to their childhood here and then getting to see them in a fun match uh it was a really good vibe I really like this I really like this match uh I think Hikaleo had a couple of of little botches here and there but for the most part this was a good match yeah I I had a lot of fun with it it's kind of exactly what it needed to be for me um and to kind of establish it looks like they're trying to get the bucks back into the tag title picture and so how do we get there uh they got the victory exactly and they beat jungle boy which told me that okay that's where they're going here and we're going to definitely move forward with that uh at least with that program following probably the uh Lucha Bros match that you get to see this Friday. Yeah, I actually kind of wish that they would have swapped it. I think that they should have done Lucha Brothers Young Bucks on the Wednesday show and done this 10-man tag on the Rampage show. And the reason why I say that is a very, very pivotal reason. Here's my big reason, Will. When they were on AEW Dark, they got such a massive reaction. And you got to understand, like, the Los Angeles crowd, the majority is a Latino audience. Like, that's what you're going to get. And they wanted to see somebody on the card, on the Dynamite card, that was, you know, Latino. And you didn't, we didn't have anybody, really. And so, like, you didn't have this, like, massive person to pop for on Dynamite that was, you know, Latino representation. And you did get it with Death Triangle, but on Dark. And you should have heard the reaction and the pop that that got. People were losing their freaking minds, okay, Well, Like, losing their minds. And you look out in the crowd and you got so many, like, Mexican flags 
bags up there and this and that. And I was like, man, that was a waste to have them. I'm sorry. It was a waste to have them on dark when they could have been on dynamite and they could have gotten that really nice reaction. Speaking of which, and you would probably have the answer because the chat's been talking about it uh, a lot. So, oh, now I hope I have the answer. (laughs) Uh, Well, so there's questions about um, why Thunder Rosa wasn't on this show. Oh, yeah. I was talking about that on my show yesterday. I think it was a real, real. I think the ball was dropped with not having Thunder Rosa on this show. Again, so, uh, according to the chat, uh, and I haven't looked it up to to be certain of this, they're saying PW Insider reported that she was sent home sick um, and that oh. she was supposed to be on the show. Well, uh, I saw that today she said that she wasn't going to be on social media for a bit, but she is going to be on Busted Open Radio, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, I, believe. yeah, I, saw, I saw that tweet, too. Um, but I think she was doing something else too. Um, damn, I don't remember what I saw on social media, but I really do think that not having Thunder Rosa on that show was very noticeable. Like, on first off, she's your AW Women's World Champion. You should be having her on the show, period. But with this crowd, like, okay, I don't know. Like, you should have seen the reaction she got at GCW in Los Angeles. Dude, it was like crazy. So for her, if she would have came out, during the show, people would have lost their minds. Right. Agreed. I uh, I think, you know, she would have been the representation I would have had on that show. Yeah. Um, just even to give a victory speech over Serena Deep. So it is interesting. And I, I'd be curious to know exactly what the reason was. And everybody was talking about it. It was like a thing. Like, people were like, what? Like, no Thunder Rosa? Like, this and that? You know, we got Death Triangle, but on AEW Dark. Right. Uh, did that occur before or after the show? They didn't do oh, before, after before the show. The show before okay. the they show. didn't do anything yeah. after the show, right? No, no. They just did uh, They did an hour of dark shooting before the show and then after right. the show. Just your goodbyes and that was it because then they went off to the party. Right. That makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, 10-man tag. Gets a beat for me. Had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and then a segment that I was personally excited for just because I, I uh, knew people in this um, uh, segment. But Swerve introduced a few people. Uh and he introduced uh, Guy, he, who is a um, uh, stuntman in the MCU. He introduced Flash Garments, who does his theme song. And he, uh, and then he introduced, um, uh, what's his name? Jeff. Why the hell did I draw a blank on? Um... I didn't see this, by the way. You didn't, didn't see this see in the this. arena? I think this might have been when I went to the bathroom. But mm-hmm. I didn't see this. Nope. I missed this part of the show. Interesting. Anyway, it was Jeff Hamilton, uh, who is, of course, designer of um, a lot of famous jackets. Uh, that's, he did, all the Swerve jackets are Jeff Hamilton jackets. And uh, you know Jeff Hamilton stuff when you see it. Um, he's been a fashion designer for the last few decades. And... Uh, it was a big deal for Swerve to have uh, Jeff Hamilton with him in L.A. at the forum. Uh, and he gave Swerve a brand new original jacket. Uh, oh, and nice. that's something that Swerve was like really looking forward to. So I was excited to see this play out on TV. And especially from somebody as prolific <laughs> as Jeff Hamilton. Um, and then after afterwards, he then talks about in the forum uh how many singles stars 
have had come together to form um, super duos and talked about Kobe and Shaq, uh, how they came together in the forum and then talked about how him and Keith Lee are single stars that are going to have tag team success. So they didn't air that in the arena, I'm guessing. I didn't see it. Okay. I mean, unless it was done, because I did leave to the bathroom at some point, but I think I left to the, when did I leave? No, I left at some point. I just don't remember what part of the show it was when I walked out to go to the bathroom. So I don't know if it happened during then. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. So the next segment is one that I have been dreading talking about pretty much all day. What? No, I actually liked it. Oh, so then why are you dreading it? Because Twitter found one piece of it that they have been dwelling on all day. And I'm so just uh, annoyed by it because, like, ultimately, it doesn't matter. And I am, I don't know. I'll say this. Denise isn't the right person to have this conversation with. We'll talk about it on Grapsity. But uh, that said, so out comes Athena. Uh, She is interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Athena. (laughs) And so here's the thing. So Athena and Tony Schiavone had uh, what I thought was a fine promo. Athena's never been much of a promo to begin with. So as long as she can make her point, I'm fine with that. People are like really focused on her using the term one hundy, which isn't a term. And so uh, or she said, we're going to What does that mean? Well, she said, we're going to keep it one hundy instead of. Oh, so like one hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's like focused on that. And it's like been this big thing on Twitter all day where they're like, oh, she messed up the slang. And like, I can't believe that this shit is uh, so focused on at the moment when it's like, I don't know. I, I felt like everything else here got delivered well. And for whatever reason, she's just getting dunked on for this one phrase. Uh, Maybe she was like doing it like, you know, when people are short in words and they're they're just like having fun with it. So that's why she said 100 (laughs) instead of 100. I know what it is. And like I said, it'll be a topic. Oh, do you think she doesn't want to come across as like stereotypical? So it was really, um, I think the general feeling that I'm noticing is that uh, it's back to the Brandy Rhodes stuff uh, where they feel like she was using uh, AAVE improperly in a situation where she probably didn't need to use it at all. Uh, And so, but again, (laughs) it's one of those things where I just feel like um, it shouldn't have even been a discussion, but whatever. And the reason it shouldn't have was because I thought the segment kind of, hit everywhere else it needed to, where I feel like she got her point across, the crowd was into her. Um, Jade Cargill comes out, crowd's really into Jade. Uh, Jade hands the mic off to Stokely. Stokely gets to make his points. Um, and I feel like Stokely and Jade already have great rapport. Uh, and Not surprising, they, though. That's not surprising. They had a great back and forth. Out comes um, Anna Jay to even the odds. Uh Athena and Kiera get, have a stare down, and then out comes Chris Statlander. She has a stare down with Red Velvet, probably getting a six-woman tag next week. I felt like this didn't really miss at all. I thought uh, this was everything it needed to be. 
and I was good with it. It was all right. I <laughs> kind of feel like I feel the crowd was more interested or would have been more interested in seeing Chris Statlander and Jade Cargill versus mm -hmm. Athena and Jade Cargill. And it kind of feels like one of those things where it's like, because she's the new person in town, it's like, we're kind of like pushing this, you know, thing with Chris Statlander to the side. Cause at rampage, I think that they should have had Chris Statlander defeat Ruby Soho. And then when we had that moment at double or nothing, where you had the whole, um, where you had that whole confrontation, like a brief confrontation between Jade and Chris, people were interested in that. People were into it. And then the moment was completely overshadowed by the debut of Athena. And so I feel like they could have probably debuted her in a separate way or in a different uh, way where they could have still done Chris and Jade and then eventually got into the thing with Athena. And then so during this, it was like, I felt like the bigger reaction was for Chris Statlander during this. Well, and I, I feel like, and they're kind of saying it in the chat too, that I think Chris and uh, Jade, to me, feels like the end game, whereas Athena feels like another kind of stopgap. Like, but one of the things we've noticed, though, too, is when you wait too long for something to happen, uh, you know, you run out of that steam. Because I, I honestly, I get why Chris didn't win um against ruby at rampage like uh i fully get that because chris wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament it was supposed to be hikaru shida and then uh shida is still stuck in japan so then therefore chris statlander was subbed in and so i can see why tony didn't completely upend his plans like it was always going to be ruby versus um versus brit because obviously then you wouldn't have been able to have rancid perform at double or nothing like everything had to fall into place for that to happen and so i could see why he didn't shift his plans when it's like nah we still have plans here and chris wasn't supposed to be here anyway so chris was actually supposed to i believe be the uh opponent for uh jade and not anna J. and then when everything had to get shifted they had to bring anna J into the fold so either way uh there was stuff uh, that happened here and i am just excited to see separate women's programs happen throughout the show that don't necessarily rely on each other at all but all seem to matter in their own way and i feel like that's what the show has needed right that uh we have a tnt or a tbs title program and uh i don't know who's next for thunder rosa I think we probably would have known if Thunder Rosa had been at the show, but then you also still have what's going on with Britt and, uh, and Jamie Hayter. Uh, and there's just a lot happening throughout the show that feels like, okay, we finally have multiple women's programs going here. You can insert Hikaru Shida at any point because she does have a legitimate claim to, Hey, I never got to compete in the tournament. Uh, there's stuff you can do here that will make that matter. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah, I like that. I think they have to do that, you know, give more than one story to the women. That's been a huge thing. So, uh, you're seeing that happen, which is good. Yes. And then we had JD Drake versus Wardlow. Um, Wardlow, uh, I guess here's a scoop, uh, I can drop here. Um, Wardlow, cause I know Sean dropped the story that Wardlow was getting new music and then, uh, then Sean, retracted that uh and the reason being 
was that it was changed right before the show uh, where uh, it was suddenly decided that no, we're going back to Wardlow's old music. Um, it was a very quick change, uh, and, but he was planned to have new music pretty much up until the moment of, uh, so it was literally going through the entrances and it was like, okay, let's go back. No to wonder when he came out, I was like, what happened to the new music? I was like, oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, and so that was all what it needed to be. Wardlow squashed JD Drake. I can't even review that as a match because it wasn't really a match. Yeah, uh, I wish that they would have. Uh, I do agree with you when you said maybe they should have swapped it or anything because this kind of just felt like, oh, yay, we love Wardlow, but that's it. Right, because like th no longer are we celebrating him vanquishing MJF because we just saw MJF. So uh, I would have put this on second, honestly, just to get it out of the way, get Wardlow a big reaction, and then move on to MJF. So I felt like this was formatted oddly. People were excited to see Wardlow, but I just feel like Wardlow, JD Drake wasn't exactly like the match that people were going to be like, oh my God about, you know? Yeah. I mean, he needed to have basically just a celebratory squash. Right. So uh, I get why it was JD Drake, because I don't think there was anybody else on the roster that they were willing to feed to him at this time. Uh, and then he's interrupted by... Uh, Mark Sterling, who I guess that story is still going because of all of the security guards that Wardlow had beaten up over the last couple of months. Uh, and they're suing him. That was cute. The... It was like yeah. this like ha ha moment. You know, it was yeah. funny. It was harmless. It was just it gave everybody a little chuckle. Yes. Uh, then we had a tag match. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter took on Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. This is a rematch of a match we actually saw on Rampage just a couple weeks ago. That was really good. And I thought this also was. I thought it was all right. I think in terms of like the show, I think this was probably the match that the people were least hot for uh, for the night. So I think it could have been, I think the action could have been a little bit better in the ring in terms of like more exciting. I felt like there was a lot of like downtime during this match when we were watching it. So I felt like the crowd wasn't as invested to this match as some of the other matches that we saw. Um, but I will say this though, Jamie Hader, man, she's getting over. I, she felt more hot that night than Britt Baker, which is, you know, hard to do, you know, because Britt Baker is a star, but people are hot for Jamie Hader. A lot of people are hot for Jamie Hader. Twitter <laughs> yeah. is very, uh, Horny Twitter is very hot for Jamie Hayter. Uh, I'll say that much. And, uh, but either way, I feel like that's exactly who this match was kind of designed to get over. Um, but Ruby Soho ultimately got the, the victory um, and got her win back on Britt Baker. Cool. And that's it. This all moves forward a little bit. We're all patiently waiting to see Jamie Hayter turn on Britt Baker. Uh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be good. And it's going to get, I think, uh, the focus back in terms of like Britt Baker's. I, I, people are ready for it. People are ready yes, for it. They are ready. Uh, and then we got the main event. And that was John Moxley going one on one with Daniel Garcia. This was a very different John Moxley versus Daniel Garcia because we've seen this match previously. It was kind of a squash when a couple of minutes John Moxley beat the hell out of Daniel Garcia. Instead, this Daniel Garcia 
had all of the counters in the world for John Moxley. He was uh, oh by the way, I give the previous match a C plus. Um, but <laughs> I, I forgot to give that one a score. But John Moxley, Daniel Garcia. This was a friggin' hoot. I had so much fun with this because every time it felt like, okay, here's the John Moxley comeback. This is where he's going to take over on Daniel Garcia. Nope. Daniel Garcia has him cornered again. Daniel Garcia had got the best of him. Daniel Garcia was continuing with the reversals, with the counters, uh, with just showing up John Moxley as a wrestler. He ended up um, busting Moxley open, reopening the wound from uh, from the art. Anarchy in the Arena, almost did it again, uh, but from Anarchy in the Arena, just a an excellent, excellent uh, match here between two guys. I feel like one thing John Moxley does really well, because he did this with Wheeler Yuta, is play that match where you think he's going to be the dominant one, but uh, his opponent ends up getting the best of him, and this match did that really well. I thought Dan Garcia looked phenomenal out there, and this did what it needed to do. It got this is awesome chance from the people like people were invested in it. Um, I think what really helped was just like Daniel Garcia getting all savage and like licking the blood. I think he like licked it off his hand or something like that. Uh, that really got over with the with the crowd where they were chanting like you sick fuck and this and that. Uh, yeah. So that was really good. I loved like the elbow exchange from like both of them. That was really awesome. Uh, I, I thought that this did a really good job at making Daniel Garcia look more uh i don't want to say more impressive because that's like making it seem like he wasn't impressive before but it really made him look legit and that was what i think was the reason why this match worked and the way that they played it out because if you're going to go in one-on-one with john moxley i uh, and for the end you're in in the main event you don't want to see that squash unfold you want to see an actual competitive match and that's what this was and it got over very well with the crowd i thought so i i i fully agree uh, I thought that the way uh, they played up on Daniel Garcia, knowing what was coming, like they they really played this out like uh, Dan Garcia was like fully aware of the match he had had with John Moxley before, where John Moxley basically squashed him in a few minutes, and so everything Moxley would have done previously, Mox or Dan had accounted for. I just I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, match of course ends with Eddie Kingston um, stumbling and running in. Uh, almost had a title. Oh my god! <laughs> I wasn't sure if that came out on TV, but in oh, person, it, he, it looked did. so bad. He was like, <laughs> "Oh, it looked really bad." I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like he just he had it like by a thread. He didn't fall by a thread. If somebody would have like blown at him, <laughs> he probably would have tumbled. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so he makes his <laughs> run out, but uh, otherwise, that then leads to. Um, John Moxley getting the paradigm shift one two three, uh, and let me tell you, folks. So Tony Khan had tweeted, "We're going into overtime. Uh, they have granted us a, an extra few minutes to Just two minutes. I think that they went overtime. Yeah, which I will say this: that is a great sign for the relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery. However, my DVR didn't catch that at all." So my Beautiful DVR stuff. <laughs> So my DVR gets Moxley hitting the paradigm shift and then cuts off. And I'm like, no, what the hell? And my DVR is designed to record at least one extra minute. Uh so that wasn't enough. It I needed two more after that. 
and usually so, it's like five minutes, isn't it? Yeah, you so should edit it. Put five minutes. I should, now. I should put five minutes. Yeah, but uh, I was very annoyed by this, and I ended up shout out to Andy Nimity who went and tracked down the last two minutes of the show for me and sent it to me just so I had. <laughs> those last two minutes just because i wanted to see what else happened well of and... course yeah especially if you got to review the show you got to know what happened on the show <laughs> exactly and the only other thing that happened was john moxley then announces that he's in for blood and guts that's exciting and then they announce the matches for next week uh where uh hangman's gonna face date finley that's cool that's and, gonna be fun yeah uh we also have the the match they announced for road rager and then they announced Blood and Guts is taking place in Detroit. So I, I saw all of that. But, man, I had no idea. I saw all of it on Twitter. I'm like, where are people getting these announcements from? Where did they like, find- <laughs> Is there a special club somewhere that I'm not a part of? Yeah, well, because you'll usually, like, screenshot that stuff and, and, and share it and post it. Yeah, and... not anymore. <laughs> well, not, not last night. No, because my, my, I use Sling TV, right? They did this upgrade, so now they don't let people screenshot anymore. There's a way. Oh, I got a way, but uh-huh. I have this Chrome extension that allows me to screenshot, but I don't screenshot. I can't screenshot at the exact same speed as I used to, so I have to keep rewinding. Which it, it's to... a pain. It's a pain. Don't it's use the Chrome pain. extension. Um, Firefox doesn't comply with DRM on any of that. You don't need an extension for anything. Firefox. If you're just, if you're just using Firefox as a browser, Firefox does not comply. That's how I, uh, I'm able to screen record Peacock. I'm able to screen record literally everything if I just open it in Firefox. That's a I'm trick for everybody, it. by the way. If you cannot screenshot in an app that has DRM, open it in Firefox because Firefox does not comply with any drm stuff you you can literally just screenshot screen record all of it in yes i used to be so good at it i was like screenshot 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 now it's like it's just a pain and then like Mm -hmm. if i roll my mouse over it and then i roll it back out everything goes dark right and i have to wait like at least 20 seconds until it's not dark anymore and then by then it's like those announcements they happen so fast if like i didn't catch it it's done right Either way, you're usually good for that, and you didn't give it to me. So I'm like, what I'm are these sorry, announcements Will, people are talking you. about? I'm like, I failed I saw, you. I saw people talking about uh, blood and guts in Detroit, and I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? Because my recording cuts <clears throat> off. But yeah, seriously, if you just use Firefox. Well, also, we had like one little tiny screen in the forum. Like, I'm surprised I, I I'm surprised I even caught some of those announcements. <laughs> there was just like these little tiny screens up in the top that so wasn't even like in perfect eye view like you gotta tilt your head (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh well overall how did you feel about the first aew show that you didn't have to travel for that and i think it was my first dynamite ever like live i don't think i'd ever been to a dynamite before i was was sitting there yeah i was sitting there and i was like have i ever been to a dynamite I don't think so. This was my fir- my first one. I couldn't remember any other one. So, because uh, I know I've done like Rampage and stuff, but I've never gotten there earlier to do uh, the Dynamite shows. I usually leave like on Thursdays or Fridays for the pay-per-view. So I never get to watch the Dynamites live. So this was my first Dynamite period. Um, I had a great time. People were so pumped. People were so happy. I met some really cool people there at the show too. Everybody was just there to have a good time. People were excited. I knew the second people were popping for things that you wouldn't normally pop for, I was like, yep, this crowd's going to be hot. 
Yeah, that's dope. I'm glad you had a good time. Thank you. Well, let's see who else had a good time because, folks, you know it's that time. Uh, ratings are in. Uh, thanks to the chat, I've already seen it, so I can't like pretend to be surprised. But uh, ratings are in, and we are looking at 969 nice thousand uh, viewers for this show. So it is up. Um, didn't cross the million that I think is kind of a uh, arbitrary milestone that people have set for them. But nonetheless, it is one that people want to see them cross. Uh, but pretty much everything's up. Uh, the They were up in viewership 10%. Um, 18 to 49, they're up 22%. I think I saw somebody note that it actually either tied or beat the third hour of Raw uh, from... I saw the Raw... Well, I don't know. But I Raw don't know was what way the down, though. Third, yeah, that was really, yeah. Yeah, so that's like not really a comparison because Raw, of course, had the uh, was Memorial Day, and that's always down. So uh, I think I would even bet you, as far as Raw is concerned, and again, this is not stuff to like that's gonna matter to anybody but like tribalists on Twitter. But I would even bet that Raw has its all-time lowest rating in four weeks, all time. Uh, oh man, I, it's bad stuff. Uh, well, I say that Sucks. just because because the Fourth of July is on a Monday. That's really where oh, I'm that's right. That. You're right about so, that. <laughs> so Fourth yeah, of July yeah, is on July. a Monday. And I, I always think, forget about the Fourth of July. <laughs> and I, think I forget about all the holidays now. Now that I'm not in school, I don't care about the holidays anymore. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, it's what a day do I care? I still got to go to work. It's a day off of work for me, so therefore uh, I do keep track of all of them. I but either don't. way. Uh, anyway, the only thing that beat Dynamite on TV this week was the Easter Conference Finals of the NHL, the Stanley Cup. So that's it. It's the only thing that beat it. Otherwise, it came in number two. So I'm sure Tony, if he hasn't already tweeted, touting uh, great viewership, he probably will because that's kind of exactly what uh, TNT will pro or TBS will probably want to see. Uh, so all around, good stuff. There's no basketball last night. Keep in mind, not much was promoted prior to this show. And if it was, it was promoted on social media. Yeah. So, we'll remember Denise hates Christmas. Well, that's Yeah, I do just... hate Christmas. Well, that and, uh, but Ace Shock says, what about Halloween? I love Halloween. Ah, see? Halloween and Easter, man. Those are my holidays. Okay. Stop. Pause the show. Easter? I love Easter. Why, in particular, Easter? Because you get to look for eggs, and I think that's incredibly fun. That's it? Just the egg hunting? Yeah, I love it. I love the egg hunting. I love that you get to eat fresh food. And it's like, I love the colors, too. Like, ill, like red and green. Gross. Like, what about these pretty little pastel colors? Like, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I just love I... Easter. Like, I love everything about Easter. Easter, the little baskets, the little bunnies. It's so cute. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sorry that I'm not every basic human being out there. I hate it. I hate when you ask somebody, what's your favorite holiday? And they're like, Christmas. And I'm like, basic. Bye. <laughs> give me something different, man. Like, even Thanksgiving, <laughs> I'll respect you a little bit more. But if you give me Christmas, it just tells me that you're basic. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. But that's because I am all about family and food. And therefore, as a matter of fact, in case people hadn't noticed, I've been like snacking on like a lunch my kids made me during the show. Uh, so 
uh, I've just been like kind of picking at it. Um, I could eat with a fork as soon as we're done. But hey, folks, this is the end of Day After Dynamite. Denise Salcedo can be found pretty much everywhere that you like pro wrestling. Um, you can find her on Fightful. She hosts the post Raw show every Monday with Sean Ross Sapp, except unfortunately, uh, and she is also uh, she has Speak Now over with uh, the Wrestling Observer, and uh, she also has a Twitter handle she's pointing at, which is at underscore Denise Salcedo. She also has her own uh, YouTube channel, uh, Instinct <laughs> Culture. I'm doing all this from memory, so. I was going to say, you're so good at this. (laughs) I was going to say, usually everybody just like says one thing and then that's it. No, I know your stuff. Thank Uh, you, Will. Makes me happy. Now I want to (laughs) cry. What's, am I missing anything? Because you have the other one. Wrestle talk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you got every, like mostly everything. So (laughs) I'm I'm happy with that. Like you could have just been like, this is Denise. And I would have been like, all right. Yeah, and the chat saying, "Don't forget Mission Pro." Like, like I said, you like pro wrestling. GCW. You I mean, like, there's just too much. I don't even tell people. Like, it, like it. I mean, like, it's just a lot. <laughs> it, it, it's a oh, lot. but I'm almost at 69k. Will I'm almost there. I'm less than 500 away on Twitter. You have to for the entire time you're at 69k. Change your name to D Nice, and that has to be it for the entirety of the time you're at 69k should I do, followers. Because should I do like? because i was gonna say denise like okay i'll figure it out but then if people are gonna start thinking that's my name though that's the problem like no, it has like, to be what? in quotations because i don't want people to think my name is denise like you'd be surprised like there are people that spell my name with a c and i kind of hate it and i'm like that's not my freaking name that's not my name that's not my name <laughs> you know so like i need to come up or how about no i'll I'll figure something out yeah we'll figure it out folks this has been day after dynamite an extended longer edition of day after dynamite but i've the thing is you get me into these together we could just talk and talk and talk um you should see us in a car it's it's (laughs) uh it's just lots of talking either way (laughs) thanks for being here for denise salcedo i'm will washington we'll see you next time have a great day peace Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.